0: The Idaho Technology Council presents Innovation Matters, a look at innovators, rule breakers, and thought leaders from across Idaho. From our studios in beautiful downtown Boise, here is your host, the CEO and founder of the Idaho Technology Council, Jay Larson. This is Jay Larson, CEO of the Idaho Technology Council. Today, our guests are Paris Cole, CEO of TriStop.com, Mayor they are Debbie Klein from the city of Marit, Tampa. Uh, and Doreen West, our managing principal at XPRIS, as well as Jerry Rockow, Director of Eastern Idaho Public Health District. Uh, we're so honored to be able to have them with us. And we're going to start uh, right now with Paris Cole. Paris, thanks for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Jay. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, this is uh this has been kind of an, an interesting time for us. You uh, you know, probably must have been Paris? Eight months ago, uh thereabouts when you when um, you had the big acquisition where the majority of the company of truckstopcom was purchased by um, an outside um source, which now you, is, uh, you you work for and uh what what's it like to be able to have what's what's the major change that's taken place in your life ever since uh, iconic has taken over and uh now have you as a CEO that has bought sixty percent of the company?
1: Yeah. You know, by and large, there there hasn't been a lot that's changed, um, you, you know, and, and that's part of the reason why we uh, decided to uh, partner with Iconic and, and have them uh, make an investment in the company is uh, we, we wanted a partner that really believed in the company, believed in what we were doing and, and the direction that we we're headed. And uh, uh, so thankfully, you know, they they've really, for the most part, uh, let us continue on the path that we were already heading down. Uh, I, I think what has changed a little bit has been uh, some of the the doors uh, that they've helped open up for us, uh, and, and some of the expertise that they've brought uh, 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 surrounded us with uh, as we continue to, uh, to grow and, and to provide uh, more value to our customers.
0: Bill, well, I know. I kind of looked at you as a very rich opportunity because they saw the. the- connections to supply chains and other things they have. So congratulations on that. So maybe we can take another step here, Ferris, with uh, um, over the last um, month, let's say, have you noticed anything different on the uh, transportation of goods across the United States, uh, specifically with COVID-19 coming into play?
1: We have. uh, uh, It's been uh, very interesting to watch. Uh, and by way of a little bit of background in transportation and logistics uh, 2018 was uh, a phenomenal year probably the best year that the industry has had in in maybe 20 or 30 years so 2019 uh, it drops dramatically off of the 2018 high uh, but was still a relatively good year what we saw over the last call it uh, three weeks to a month now, is that the volumes have actually started to increase to the point that they were nearly at the 2018 levels. So uh, a, a lot of freight being moved uh, through our marketplace and, and typically our, our marketplace is used for that, the freight that's most difficult to find a, a truck to haul it. So that the fact that we're seeing so much freight on our site. Uh, is an indication that there's a real channel going on in the supply chain today. And and so we've seen it uh, going up uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, Now, what's interesting is it's starting to slow down. And and so for me, that's the real key is uh, as we come off of this peak uh, over the last three weeks, uh, how far does it drop? Does does it drop back down to the the uh, pre-coronavirus level, which was still relatively high? Uh, or uh, does it drop even further uh, below uh, what we were seeing in in 2019? So uh, I don't have a crystal ball, but uh, it will be interesting to uh, to watch what happens over the the next few weeks. I I think that will be really telling.
0: Well, I've read something and you help us with this because I know uh, our uh, listeners know that you basically uh, connect ability for uh, people who need to have goods transport across the country and those truckers that are able to do that as well as payment and all those type of logistics operations. But isn't it, um, isn't there a direct correlation usually with the goods transported across the country and the health of the economy and possibly going into a recession or something like that? Is there, is there a direct correlation there? Uh, uh,
1: there I, would, I would say that there's a, a very strong correlation. Um, And what's interesting, we've had a number of our own economists or other groups actually uh, take a look at our data and uh, we actually see uh, freight happens in the the movement of goods. Uh, That uh, indication uh, happens about two two quarters, somewhere between two and, and maybe as much as five quarters ahead of the rest of the economy. So when we see start to uh, see freight, uh, really take off, uh, typically two or three quarters later, we'll, we'll see the, uh, the GDP well. Conversely, if the freight dr- starts to dry up, uh, then, then the opposite effect will, uh, will, will see GDP. So that, that, that for me is the real interesting thing, uh, here over the last couple of weeks is what, what's going to happen, uh, once the shelter in place orders, uh, um, uh, become rescinded and people start to go back to, uh, uh, work, uh, you know, how soon will that be able to happen? And, and what will happen with the rate? I, I think that will be pretty telling to what happens overall in the economy and, and over the next few quarters.
0: I see. so there's some lag that takes place there that, uh, it's about a three month lag to start seeing. So we should see that maybe next quarter or something like that potentially, right?
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Um, I don't know if most people know this, but uh I want you to know Paris is also the chair of the Idaho Technology Council. And as such, uh I get the opportunity to work with Paris a lot. So thanks, Paris, for all the work you do to support the technology industry. So um let's go on the next the next uh so talk a little bit now about how uh COVID nineteen um obviously it's, it's it's had significant impact on what's taking place in our economy right now. How have you responded internally with this and how has it impacted truckstop.com
1: yeah uh, thankfully uh, we uh, we've been pretty well prepared for this uh, so we we have about uh, 565 professionals in the company and uh, uh, the bulk of them roughly about 400 uh, have laptops and, and have been working from home with, with some frequency uh, so for us, it, it was that, uh, 165 or 170 professionals that have desktops, uh, that, that weren't accustomed to, to working from home. That, that for us was the real area of focus. And, uh, thankfully, be, because we have such a pretty large population of, of professionals working from home already in, in some form or fashion, we were able to make that migration with our, our, our desktop, uh, users and get them uh, up and running pretty quickly uh, I, I think from the time that we made the decision uh to, to have everyone start working remotely to the time that we had 100 percent compliance uh i think it was a matter of about five or six days so uh, you know for us it, it, it went pretty pretty well all things considered um but it, it presented some unique challenges uh, we have some of our our professionals that work in pretty rural areas where internet connection isn't strong, so we we had to cut, be a little creative on on how we supported them. Uh, and, and then a, a lot of our professionals don't have uh, offices in their homes, and so we allowed those individuals that uh, that don't have a, a working office to take home their their desktop their uh, their monitors or any other equipment that they might need to uh, uh, to support their uh, their work and so you know thankfully it, it hasn't been much of an impact from us uh, from a company perspective but uh it, it's like I say it's presented some unique challenges now I will say there's one many- sure. oh, i I will say there's that- I will say there's been some some pretty fun things come out of this. Uh, we use a number of different uh, technologies to stay in touch one with another. Yeah. And so we've gotten a little creative. We've had uh, throwback Thursday as today. So we've had people posting on our, our team's channel uh, all of the, the memories and the fun times that they've had uh, throughout the years. Uh, tomorrow, uh, in, in honor of the final four, which would have happened uh, this weekend, uh, everyone's wearing their their favorite college colors and uh, so we're, we're we're trying to make it fun and, and still stay engaged uh, even though we're all
0: uh, that's, working that's that's gr that's great and you probably should be wearing your bangle uh your bangle orange right from that orange tomorrow absolutely oh fantastic um one quick question then um um we'll uh, let you go because but this is one maybe we can focus on culture because i know truckstop.com has amazing corporate culture and you have said that um, uh, you want all of your employees to head home at the end of the day saying i learned something i helped others be successful and i wanted it to uh, and i worked to my fullest potential why is this type of employee culture so important to you to me it's
1: it's the company that that's how we are successful if we have uh, great people, and and we allow them to, to be great at, at the company. And so, uh, you know that that's how I see us providing value to our customers. Yes, we're a technology company. Yes, we provide uh, a, a software as a service uh, to them. But really, at the end of the day, it's it's all about our people. And if they can be great, then we'll we'll have a great company, and, and we'll serve our, our customers successfully.
0: That's, that's fantastic. Uh, Paris, we're going to have you on occasionally as we keep these uh, innovation matters uh, rolling through. And uh, next one, we'll probably talk to you about the challenges of being a technology company in Idaho and what are the advantages. So we'll tee we'll that up for the next time we talk. Does that sound good? Sounds great.
1: Thank you so much, Jay. And, appreciate
0: it. Hey, thanks, Paris. Appreciate your time. So thank you. And uh, now we'll move over to Mayor W. Klang, the mayor of Nampa. Um, Debbie, thank you for joining us, and I'm sorry, you might not be able to see me, but I had trouble with my audio, so I had to call in. Um, so if you can't see me, you're probably um, fortunate at this point, but uh, let's go ahead and uh, move over to you. Welcome, Debbie, and uh, what's it like being mayor of the city of Napa?
2: Well, first of all, I can see you well, so all is good, and I trust that you can hear okay. me fine. So yes. you know what? It is great being mayor of Napa. I love what I do. I uh, love serving the citizens of our community and the collaborations that we have across municipalities and across the state. And uh, so it's it's great. Love what I do.
0: Well, and um, and you and I have known each other for several years, and uh, I just think that you're wonderful. So thanks for all you you are doing uh, for the the uh, community of Napa and the state of Idaho. Let me ask you a question. This is um uh, you know. At one point, and there have been, where Napa has been recognized as one of the fastest growing communities, not only in Idaho, but in the United States. I mean, Napa's had so many, there's, it's poised and it's just positioned to do so many amazing things. Um, what are your thoughts about uh, why you're so bullish on Napa? Can you talk about that a little
2: bit? Well, you know what? It's a great community. I like to say that Napa is the best of what America was. And there's still a strong sense of a neighbor helping neighbor. And I think we still, we were an ag community and we're moving into more of manufacturing, um, high-tech manufacturing also and and food manufacturing. But I think we still have some of the work ethic that comes from who we were. And uh, I hope we can retain that because what's important to be a thriving city is that you've got a really good workforce and a good work ethic within that workforce. Because I know one of the greatest challenges that businesses face today is finding a workforce. And so if we can have a a well-educated, trained workforce that has a really strong work ethic, then that is something that will put us on the map. And so that's one thing that I think we still have in the size community we have, and moving from who we were to who we are today.
0: That is fantastic. Has there been anything that's since you've been mayor, that uh, you, you've learned or done that you didn't anticipate?
2: <laughs> Probably I know more about wastewater than I ever thought I would. Um, the components of wastewater, the EPA compliance side, I, Idaho DEQ, um, getting our reuse permit. We had a, a bond, $165 million bond. We're in the midst of a $180 million wastewater upgrade. And, uh, boy, I understand more about wastewater than I would have thought. So that's been interesting. And, uh, you know, the technology that's required plus the science, it's an incredible mix that is critical to dealing mm-hmm. with wastewater. So, um, yeah, with
0: that's fos- been and, and, uh, and deal with phosphates and stuff like that, right? I mean, it's crazy, but you have to learn on all this stuff, isn't it? So
2: Yes. You know, being innovative, because I think about innovation, and one thing that I uh, thought about, I think we're the first city in the state of Idaho that actually got there, has achieved the reuse permit to take that wastewater and put it into our irrigation canals, and we have pressurized irrigation within Nampa, so that water is now being used to irrigate our ground, which puts the water back in our own aquifer, and we get to use it as a city. Now, for some, they may go, ooh, that sounds terrible. That actually it is class A water that we actually could put into fire sprinkler systems in industry as we grow in the manufacturing realm. So uh it's clean water, it's cleaner than any irrigation water you would find in the ditch. So um yeah, so that's been fun to learn. And it's it's uh, important to innovate as, as we look at the city in different ways that we can do.
0: Well, so Debbie, talk to us a little bit about um uh this whole COVID-19 thing. I know that this has probably just taken your whole, and this is kind of speaking of things that you didn't anticipate. This has probably taken your whole world and had you focus on, on this whole issue over the last three weeks. Talk to us about uh, how this has impacted Nampa.
2: Well, needless to say, you're absolutely right. It has totally turned our world upside down. You know, um, when I first came into office, we kind of joked and said, we're like building a plane in flight because there were a lot of policies and procedures that we really needed to still create within the city. But today, if ever, we are building a plane in flight because both nationally at the state level and at the local level, we've been having to adjust our personnel policies, which I know that other people with businesses are uh, trying to understand the Family Care Leave Act, the emergency one, and how it's shifted for those businesses that are trying to understand Um, And we were just talking about this a minute ago with Paris, um, having employees work from home. I tell you what's cool on the technology side, people are having to, uh, like the webinar usage, um, you talk about the bandwidth that just skyrocketed overnight to the usage of the webinar and the technology we're using today. It stretched people because they had to learn something for many that they hadn't been using. And so it's uh, it's been really good. I think there's a wonderful side of this extremely difficult, unfortunate place that we are, and that is is that like robot delivery. You probably saw that on the news, where they're actually getting it done and delivering groceries via robot. Um, the digital world, you know, moving into that, which is so critical, um, it helps us really think about uh, some of the security issues, right, related to the technology and moving to fully digital in our communications. So. It has stretched us. Um, It brings out the best and worst of people. And uh, that's been the interesting thing. And as an elected official, for me, it's, you know, you want to make the best decision you can with the information you have, but that information is changing every day. So needless to say, it's a historical and it's an unprecedented time. Um, But when we look back, I think we're going to see a lot of good that came from it. And so, you know, you have to look at the positive, not just the negative.
0: That's, that's a very good thing. And um, what I love about what you do, Mayor, is you look at things through a very optimistic eye. So that's, that's totally awesome. Now, um, maybe the last question that I think would be, um, what are you, well, I have two really quickly, but next one, what do you think we anticipate what's going to take place over the next month, next four months? I mean, excuse me, four weeks, um, in Nampa with COVID? Nice. and I know we're we're in these uncharted waters, but what are you, what are your thoughts there?
2: Well, it's a difficult time as we're tracking the businesses that are closed, those that, uh, and they did just decide to close, right, because they just couldn't stay open. I think economically, it's extremely stretching to our businesses. Um, as a city, we've set up uh, it's our emergency arm, which is called NAMP or Betty, and we're focused on things like food accessibility, um, health and wellness, business, and housing and shelter. On the business side, we're really working to educate our businesses. We held a webinar yesterday uh, to give the latest information from the SBA because there's a new deadline and some opening of funds. And uh, been sitting on White House calls too, but um, it's so important that right now we provide the information to our businesses to help them succeed. And so that that economic uh, engine within our community. Um, so we're really focused right now. I'm actually trying to focus not only on managing the the virus and all the policies around that and what needs to be closed and open, but also looking at the economic side for our business community, what we need to do to support them, helping encourage shop local, you know, support your local businesses, but then also looking at the recovery side so that we can, when it's when we can move forward, we're ready to move forward.
0: Oh, so this is fantastic because I really like those two-pronged approach: the, the health of the citizens of Napa, right, and then the economic prosperity of Napa. Because there's going to be a gap here that we're going to have to sit there. Because it, who would have anticipated that we would have come to it? I mean, I remember three weeks ago when I'm sitting up in North Idaho, and they have um, the announcement that the NBA is is canceling its season. I'm going, are you kidding me? Then the NCAA comes out, and then we have all these other things that come. I mean, the, it's just crazy what's taking place. But uh, um, it sounds like NAPA is, well, um, so you're providing the leadership to build half the economic uh, uh, gap that's going to be covered, right?
2: We're going to do the best we can. The one thing that I realized through this all is that not one person can do it. Our businesses, it takes the collaboration of the Small Business Administration, the Chamber. It takes everybody coming together on the housing and on the health and the food insecurities. I have to say, I am so incredibly impressed and proud of all the community members and the nonprofits. And I will say the elected officials, the uh, emergency management teams that are all coming together and working together. This is not a partisan issue, and it's awesome because it isn't. it. We don't even address that side of it. We are all collaborating, working together, and I'm so impressed both from the state level down to the local level and our citizens at the work that's being done. And uh, you know what? We'll come through it in Idaho because we, as we all know, is a great state, and uh, I'm proud to be a part of the state and our local Nampa community uh, because we've got great people. And if anybody can say, okay, how are we going to roll up our sleeves and come out of this well, I believe we can do it.
0: Well, uh, Mayor, you are just absolutely um, um, a visionary and the bright light you bring to Napa is is uh, inspiring. So why don't we have you on another time? We'll probably in uh, another month or so, we'll, we'll have another update and we'll see how things are going and you can give us a, a, uh, an update in maybe a month from now. Does that sound good?
2: Sounds great. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part. Thank you for the work you're doing.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Debbie. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good day. Well, now we'd like to um, um, thank um, Mayor Kling for, for being part of this. And now we're going to move over to Doree Westover. And Doree is the managing principal at Experis, um and is on, in Sun Valley right now where, where the first community outbreak of the coronavirus was identified um she will talk to us about uh can talk with us about what's happening in sun valley right now and also talk about how uh, experience continues to fill the need of talent in idaho during these times uh Dree, welcome
3: hi jay thank you for having me
0: we're so glad so you're up in sun valley right now right
3: i am i am i uh had a pre-planned spring break with my daughter and we drove up on the 13th, and that night was our first corona case announced by the state. And by the end of the weekend, um, it, it turned into being the epicenter for everything, and we didn't know it. We hung out here, and a few days later, Governor Little had put it in a shelter in place scenario and not leave Lane County. So, abided by the rules, and uh, I guess there's worse places to be shelter in place. I'm in Haley, and uh, working remote and just like the rest of my team and a lot of people in the United States.
0: Well, congratulations. I know that's kind of uh, 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 unusual timing. I just, it shows really quickly what happens when um, my understanding is uh, I have a, a next door neighbor that told me that they actually lived up there and they got out the day before you did, but uh, there was a big wedding from Kirkland, Washington. And then the bride was a nurse that Ended up going back. Uh, the party of 200 converged on on uh, Sun Valley, and then uh, she went home to uh, Kirkland and found out that she ha- was uh, had the coronavirus. And now it's uh, it's caused uh, one of the um, uh, I think number one communities in the United States as far as uh, per capita having the coronavirus. So it's kind of crazy how that works out, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it was the uh, same story I heard. It was some type of uh, social event be such a small community. It's quickly, you know, transfers from people to people, so oh. unfortunate. Um, but again, you know, shelter in place. Haven't seen, uh, other than out for a run on, on a trail, uh, hike the dogs, haven't really seen anybody except my daughter. So it's all good. Yeah. Make it-
0: well, I'm, glad, see, I'm yeah. glad you have your daughter with you. Well, let's talk about experience. Um and the talent that you see for the state of Idaho. So tell us a little bit about what Experis does, and um, then we can talk a little bit more about uh, the talent equation for Idaho.
3: Oh, sure. Um, well, we deliver people, projects, and expertise to help our IT clients um, meet their key initiatives. So people like uh, Paris, who you just had on, who have great growth, and They need technical talent. They may lean on a company like Experis to provide that talent. So, the couple two areas that we really are most valuable to a lot of the Treasure Valley companies we've worked with for over 20 years, in fact, here in the downtown area, is in the uh, professional IT recruiting uh, staffing area for very critical key talent. Um, maybe they'll use them for contingent. They'll use them for a uh, a length of time, uh, you know, six months, a year, knowing they've got a critical software development project that they need support with. Also, though, clients, if they don't use us for just the recruiting, they may use us for uh, project solutions. So maybe they want to have us do a component of their software development lifecycle, say testing, um, being able to take that either in an onshore environment at one of our dev centers here, in the U.S. or we, as a global company, our footprint very wide in 80 countries. We've got offshore capabilities as well, um, and then anything really in that workforce stack. If you see something that maybe um, outplacement, so when a company maybe is looking to um, maybe downsize, and that's more current right now than it ever was. How do you gracefully downsize your teams and uh, support them through that process? So. A lot of things in workforce is what experience does. Um, sweet spots really, software depth, and uh, we work with, you know, small emerging companies. I think of one of your members, Dan DeGloss, with FlexTrack, That's such a great run right now. Um, we helped him, you know, team of a few, all the way to being a global partner to, example, Micron uh, worldwide.
0: Well, so talk about what you see of the talent demand in the tech industry currently.
3: Well, pre-COVID-19, a thriving, as everybody knows, we had close to zero unemployment, um, jobs sitting open because there wasn't enough talent, candidate market, um, a shift gears. Uh, what a difference three weeks makes, um, unprecedented change. Um, we've got a really big recruiting, I'm sorry, uh, research engine, and this is the biggest workforce shift that we have seen. Since World War II. So you're seeing some industries be just critically affected, dramatically affected. And then you're seeing other ones up to like Paris described in his logistics world hasn't been affected terribly. Um, we're seeing just, uh, you know, big adjustments, big pivots with, with other companies, um, trying to help them uh, find their way is what we've been able to do.
0: So, Dori, if you're sitting there, talk about what industries. I mean, it, are the industries that are more related to possibly service uh, are the ones that are being impacted the most right now, or is that um, like uh, hotels? Yeah. You know.
3: Right. Your food hotels, industry. Your, yeah. Anything in hospitality. Anything in the food and beverage. When it's it's more in the restaurant scenarios, um, is being hit. Um, you know, a lot of the retail where there's face-to-face retail. Is being hit. The areas where we're seeing a a uptick, of course, naturally, healthcare and anything related to healthcare, pharma, logistics, fintech, anything with e-commerce, online ordering. Um, You think about eighty three percent of our United States has shifted to working from home, remote. Which three or four weeks ago that wasn't happening. Everybody's getting online. You know, the real winner is the internet. Here, it's you know. Sad to think what would be in our world now if we didn't have such a robust, uh, you know, broadband and internet. We would be uh, in, in a completely different space. Um, so we're seeing a lot of shift happening there. We've got uh, companies, and I manage, by the way, the Pacific Northwest. is so some big cities, um, you know, Portland, Seattle, as well as um, you know Boise, Salt Lake. Um, we're seeing some companies move from uh, uh, a grocery company here that's headquartered um asking us to help them find two thousand people. Um a very large distribution center out of Seattle asking us to be part of that find us a hundred thousand people. So um wow. you know, and then you see the, you know, the local company Vacasa that has dual headquarters here in Portland and you know unfortunately haven't really let some people uh, off, but we're seeing our companies absorb some of those folks, which is great to see.
0: Yeah. It is it is a, the hospitality side, but then um, it's interesting because you, you take a look at everything on uh, anything that has to do, like you were talking about e-commerce, anything. Those type of things are, and even uh, I was talking with Albertsons. In fact, next week for, uh, next two weeks, we'll have somebody from Albertsons on Andy uh, Scoggin and he's talking about how how large uh, their business has been up. I mean, it's been up uh, very significantly over the last three weeks. So. Um, Well, so last question for you, Doreen. So here we have um, a tech industry that's been uh, really thriving, like you said, before three weeks. um, And now we've got some uncertainty. What do you think the biggest things from a talent standpoint, if you were talking to um, to the tech industry about that, what are the biggest things we need to focus on uh, as we bridge across this gap of what's happening with COVID-19?
3: Well, I think there are some silver linings in a very, di- you know, dire environment that we're living right now. Um, we've got we've got the ability to uh, show that remote workers, particularly in IT, can still remain very, very productive. In fact, their output can be higher in um, distributed environments. So you can still run agile teams. You can still run your stand-ups. You can still have the productivity. So. Um, I met with a client by video uh, with one of my reps last week and he said, we are still hiring and we will be having, um, you know, a lot more definitive needs here shortly. We want your help to do that. He said, what it's helped us do is the naysayers that remote workers, it doesn't work. It's a a proof of concept that's being forced upon all of us right now. And we're showing great output and being able to keep, um, our projects on track and even taking on new ones with our, our distributed workforce. So Jay, what I think is going to happen is we will as a community, if we open our eyes to remote workers, be able to access talent anywhere they are and have them bring their great genius to our market. And I think that's going to be the win for the treasure Valley.
0: So this distributive model will be even stronger and our ability to be able to utilize technology a little bit more, even with the application of how we utilize the workforce will be much more robust. I like that. So, um, Dree, thank you so much. Would you do us a favor and make sure that you enjoy the Ketchum fresh air uh, and the time with your daughter. And uh, we'll look forward to having you come back to Boise in the near future, and we'll have you back on the show talk more about talent. Does that sound good?
3: Sounds great. Thank you for having me and thanks for all the good work you do, Jay.
0: All right. Thanks, Drew. appreciate you. Um, We're going to shift gears here and we get the opportunity to welcome Jerry Rackhowell, Director of Eastern Idaho Public Health Care District. Jerry is located over in Idaho Falls. Jerry, welcome to um, Innovation Matters.
4: Thank you, Jay. I'm glad to be here this afternoon.
0: Fantastic. I see, Jerry, that you are not going to join us by um, um, by your picture, but just by your, your name. Is that, is that okay?
4: Well, I hope it's okay for you. I didn't even think about that uh, I'm not set up with a web camera, so technology... Um, we have a lot, a long way to go within our health district to get up to the speed of using all the technology that's available to us, and certainly well, that has changed in the last couple of weeks of how we, how we're doing business.
0: Jerry, I, I'm glad you said that because I'm going to make sure in the future that I ask if you have a, if, uh, you have a, <laughs> a video set up because I didn't even ask you that. That's my fault. So I apologize to you. So, hey, this is so good. You and I met for the first time yesterday and we had some great discussions about what's taking place. And I say this because um, as a person that kind of understands a lot of the way that the state of Idaho operates um, on the state government, I wasn't very um, educated when it comes down to how the state is organized to support uh, the health of its citizens from a public health standpoint. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, how Idaho is organized and why we're recognized as being one of the top uh, states uh, nationally? In this space?
4: Yeah, you bet, Jay. And I would just share, first of all, that you're not alone for not being familiar with um, public health. And as I shared yesterday, a lot of the time when public health is doing their work, it's in the background and making sure everyone stays healthy. Um, But it's in times like this, of this pandemic, that the work that we do comes to the forefront. Um, In Idaho, public health is uniquely um, structured into seven health districts. Um, and each district covers from four to eight counties in the state. So between all seven health districts, we cover every uh, every one of our state's 44 counties. In my health district, we have eight counties, um, actually the largest geographic region covered in the state. And public health is, is not a state agency. We're independent governmental agencies um, that are a partnership between state and local government. Um, we do get funding from the state general fund, but we also are supported from our local counties that we serve. Um, <clears throat> we're governed by um, individual um, governing boards. And although the seven health districts are um, independent and autonomous, um, autonomous, we do work very closely together. Um, all seven health district directors meet regularly and try to coordinate the, um, the services that we provide to be as consistent as possible across the state. So regardless where a resident lives in, the, in Idaho, um, they can expect some consistent level of public health services. Not all states are organized like this, and you'll find some states that have hundreds of health health departments or city or county health departments. Um, Idaho is unique in this way in the structure with the de- the districts that cover the whole state. <sighs>
0: Well, it, and you've got the, you've got eight uh, counties, and there's some are very rural, and then you go down to Idaho Falls, and uh, that's got to be quite the challenge when you take a look at servicing all of these uh, rural versus urban uh, areas, right?
4: Yeah, and and that's one of the one of the benefits of having individual um, separately governed districts that they. The, the Board of Health can determine what is in the best needs of their residents in their locations and so in our in our health district we have Clark County that is a frontier county um, Lemhi and Custer county same very rural areas you know all the way to Idaho Falls that is that is more urban so um, the benefit is that we can tailor our services to the needs of our individual communities.
0: All right um, so now let's talk a little bit about what's happened. In your life, over the last since COVID 19 and this pandemic, uh, how has this changed what you do and talk a little bit about how it's impacted Eastern Idaho?
4: Okay. Well, just starting out with our our regular day to day activities, we do um, some clinical services, reproductive health, and immunization services. Uh, We do a lot of environmental health work, which involves inspecting food establishments. Um, is issuing septic permits, doing land development work, um, inspecting child care facilities. Uh, we mm-hmm. provide the WIC program, which is a supplemental nutrition program for women, infants, and children. We do health education and, um, of course, public health preparedness and epidemiology. So, in our day-to-day work, um, we've seen a lot of changes in in programs where activity has certainly decreased with the stay-home order that's in place. And I I would say I think people are doing a good job of following that and not doing non-essential activities. So our WIC program is continuing to function, but we have started effectively tomorrow. We'll actually be doing that all um, telecommuting with our WIC staff. So they'll be serving participants still, but it will be over the phone uh, while we navigate this pandemic. Some of our clinical services, we're we're certainly needing to continue some of those, but have changed our practices to ensure that our our staff and the patients are as safe as can be. Where we've really seen a big change is in our our epidemiology and preparedness work. Um, Typically, we have had one full-time epidemiologist. And um, here in Eastern Idaho, we've only had 16 cases, uh, uh, test positive for COVID Right. Right now, um, but we know that that number is going to grow. Um, we've established a hotline um, that people from anywhere can call and get information about COVID-19, and so we've redeployed some of our staff that um, maybe their normal day-to-day duties have declined, redeployed them to helping in other um, areas of our of our response to the pandemic.
0: This. Um... So, do you see then The uh, work is taking place right now with, uh, you know, basically having people work from home and all of the other initiatives that have been taking place from Governor Little and other communities. Has it, its it, is it? They're helping right now. Have you seen um, much um, a movement with respect to uh, um, having the COVID-19 uh, not propagate as much? Any thoughts there?
4: Um, it's hard to tell, you know, right now, it's only been in place for a week, but the more that we follow it, the the better benefit that we're going to see with it slowing the spread of the disease across our state. Um, In, in Ottawa Falls and in Eastern Idaho, all of Eastern Idaho, um, we are a little bit behind the rest of the state in the number of cases that we're seeing. And so if we, if we um, get people that are, can, continuing compliance with the stay home order and limiting that movement and uh, interaction with others, we have a better chance of slowing that down so that we can um, really have an impact on the curve that we keep talking about, um, slowing that the cases down so that we're not overwhelming our healthcare system. And we do hope that you know it has that impact, um, but it's gonna take every one of us playing our role um, to to help make that successful.
0: Um, If if you could look forward right now and say, okay, um, I think Idaho is supposed to be one of the, you know, uh, plateau or at the highest peak of the the curve, it's supposed to take place in the next three weeks. Um, Do you see that uh, um, this pandemic will, will, and still stay in a very good state over in eastern Idaho? are you thinking that this is, uh, there's been a lot of forecasts this is going to be much more of an issue? Um, what do you think is going to happen in eastern Idaho?
4: Well, um, I certainly think that over time we are going to continue to see increasing cases. Um, when we hit that peak, it is really hard to predict right now. You know, we have, you know, scholars and medical professionals and others that are working on modeling for the state of Idaho um, that will hopefully in the very near future be able to give us some more data that we can base some um, projections on. And um, again, I we we are going to see increases in cases here. Just how quickly that happens will be impacted on people um, continuing to do the um, the social distancing and staying home as much as possible.
0: Well, I got to tell you, Jerry, I was really impressed. I was talking with Dana Briggs and um, also uh, with Mayor Casper, and they spoke very, they speak very highly of what's taking place with uh, the Eastern Idaho Public Health Care uh, District and what you're doing to be able to help uh, protect the citizens and also look for ways to be able to, make sure that you're very proactive uh, on that front. So congratulations on that. Let me ask the last question. What can we do as a tech industry to help support what you do?
4: Well, first of all, I wanna say thank you to Mayor Casper and Dana Briggs, but it really is a partnership, not just with Eastern Iowa Public Health, but with all of our healthcare providers, our emergency managers, our counties and our cities. You know, it is truly a joint effort uh, for us to all to be able to respond to protect our communities much, as much as possible. Um, as far as tech goes, um, I would say that anything that the technology field can do to help um, in Idaho specifically with the production of PPE, the personal protective equipment that our, that our um, healthcare providers are going to need to get us through this challenging times that are ahead, um, we need all the help we can get. And I hear lots of great things that are going on ar- around us and um, would maybe make that challenge to others in Idaho. If there's something that, that you think you could do to help in that battle to make more PPE available, that is something that is desperately needed. Um, you know, in my office, like I said, you know, we're, we're not used to using a lot of technology to. To do our daily services, but we're, you know, we're now doing some telehealth work, and I've never used Zoom more um, than I have in the last two weeks. So, um, other other things I'm thinking are are like apps that could help um, be able to have communication with people, you know, similar to Alert Sense that we can provide emergency messaging to people within our communities um, as we look at preparedness efforts. So. Those are just a few of the things that come to my mind.
0: No, thank you for that. AlertSense is a, Von Hansen with AlertSense has been a big uh, part of the Idaho Technology Council. He just uh, came off as as our chair. And uh, we are pleased that uh, you're utilizing that technology and even references. So that's totally awesome. Um, And we'll look for ways that we can help support you. We've got a technology quick response. Force that we're working with right now to be able to see what we can do to help you and assist you in any any way. So, Jerry, thank you so much. We really appreciate all that you do, and uh, for enlightening us and informing us more about what uh, these health uh, public health districts do throughout the state. Have a great day, William. Okay.
4: Thank you so much. You do the same.
0: Thanks, Jerry. Um, all right. So. Um, Uh, We hope you uh, join us next week when we hear from Mark Wilden, who's the CIO at Idaho Central Credit Union and Mark, and also Mayor Rebecca Casper, will give us even more insight of what uh, Jerry was talking about, um, as she is the mayor of Idaho Falls. And we'll also hear from a member of our federal delegation. Um, Thanks to Paris, uh, Mayor Debbie, Dury, and Jerry for being wonderful guests on Innovation Matters. This is Jay Larson with the Idaho Technology Council, keeping you connected with industry and government, because in Idaho, innovation matters. Be safe and keep innovating. Innovation Matters is the production of the Idaho Technology Council. For membership information and to get involved, visit our website at idahotechcouncil.org. Thanks for listening and helping us transform Idaho's future together.